edging towards the end of the season. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome to Hand of Pod, episode 337. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, Sam. Hello, Andres. Good to have you here. Uh, English Dan can't make it this week. He didn't tell us why, but he's not here. Um, Just to mention before we begin that we are sponsored by Fanatis. With Fanatis, it's a perfect service, really, for Hand of Pod uh, listeners. If you're outside Latin America, you can watch all three of the main sort of top-level Argentine um, domestic football competitions, the Superliga, the Copa Superliga, which is what we're talking about right now, of course, and the Copa Argentina. You can also, if you're in the United States, catch the Copa Libertadores, the Copa Sudamericana, and plenty more. Um, And there are one or two other competitions as well, if you're not in the United States, not the Libertadores and Sudamericana, but some others. Um, If you want to check out Fanatis programming in your area, see how much uh, they charge, and listen to this, get a 20% discount on your first three months with them, then you can head to fntz.co slash H-O-P and use the discount code H-O-P-F-Z or H-O-P-F-Z if you're in the United States. And now I'm going to read out the results from the weekend just gone in the Copa Superliga. River Plate 6, Aldo Civi nil which means that River complete a 7-1 aggregate win um, with their first ever Copa Superliga home game. Prestigious occasion for everybody. Uh, Nicolas de la Cruz completing a hat-trick in that game. Atletico Tucumán 2, Tacheres 0, which means that Atletico Tucumán go through to the quarterfinals 4-2 on aggregate, thanks in part to that very late goal that we mentioned last week. Um, in the away leg when they lost 3-2 and celebrated as we said as if they just won the tie and turned out to be important anyway with that, with that goal if, if it will have been like that 3-1 this all result, result also will of course they'd have got thrown made, away goals wouldn't yes. they yeah. failed to spot that thank you Andres uh, so Atletico Tucumán face River in the quarterfinals uh, Union lost 3-1 at home to Tigre which was enough to send Tigre through on away goals um, after a 4-4... Four, four, no, that's wrong, isn't it? They went through 4-3 on aggregate because yes. Union won the first leg 2-1. Um, Racing uh, drew 0-0 with Estudiantes and did go through on away goals. I got that one right, at least. Um, because uh, the first leg of that one finished 1-1 in La Plata. San Lorenzo and Argentinos Juniors uh, drew 1-1 and as a result, Argentinos went through 2-1. Um Am I right in thinking that it's therefore Tigre versus Racing? Yes. Yeah. And then um, Argentinos will face Gimnasia, who beat Defensa Udicia 2-0 to record a 3-0 aggregate win. Boca Juniors beat Godoy Cruz 3-1 to wrap up a 5-2 aggregate win, having won the first leg 2-1 away in Mendoza. I think I'm right in saying that Gimnasia and Boca... 
Oh, no, I'm not, because Vélez did as well. Uh, Vélez uh, won 2-0 in Lanús. Uh, no, they didn't. They won 2-0 in, in Linieres against Lanús to, therefore, complete a 4-1 aggregate win, which means that Gimnasia, Boca and Vélez were the only three teams out of eight ties. Uh, so it's actually not very exclusive at all uh, to have won both legs of their ties. Well done to them. Yes. Uh, where do we start? Well, about the, the, the how the Copa Superliga will be played right now, we have the, I think one of the most entertaining uh, matches or draws will be uh, Vélez against Boca. And, of course, as media, Argentine media is uh, used to do, uh, and, uh, when Vélez, uh, as soon as Vélez defeated Lanús or, or Boca, who, who, which match was played before? Vélez uh, Lanús or Boca? Vélez Lanús was the, was the Monday night game. So Boca yes. Godoy Cruz was the Sunday Well, match. as soon as Vélez defeated Lanús, uh, there were a lot of talking about Vélez and Mauro Zarate coming, going back to Liniers uh, to play against their, now their former team. And, and after he said he wouldn't play in any other team like, uh, but Vélez in, in Argentina. And well, of course, it making... The, the supporters being even more angrier than they were. Uh, uh, that is not that to talk about uh, a lot, but uh, it happened uh, Monday night after Vélez defeated. Uh, we previewed that. Mm. Perhaps not uh, uh, Gimnasia going through against um, Defensa Justicia. But no, that's, I think, one of the more surprising results yes. uh, based on, on the, the league records, obviously. But Defensa Justicia, I was... Having said over the first, you know, during the first round and then during the quarterfinals that everybody, or more or less everybody, was taking it seriously. Defensive Justicia, I can't work out whether they're an exception, whether they decided they couldn't be asked with the Copa Superliga, or whether they've just completely dropped off form-wise in the last, what was it, like three weeks between the yeah. last league game and... Uh, and the first Copa Superliga game because they they lost two times in twenty five matches in the Superliga, and they've lost two times in two matches in the Copa Superliga. Yes, what I think is that um, they as when they, when they they knew that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't wouldn't be able to reach uh, Racing and and uh, the the dream they had uh, that becoming champions that they that for example did Arsenal as a team. Similar team in term, in terms of the size of the team, yeah, uh, and and it were, wouldn't be possible. I think they they knew that then they will have to start all over like this time with Copa de la Superliga um, as a new title, new tournament, and perhaps they weren't powerless now um, as they had all of their all of their energy, all, all of their strength put in the Superliga, and uh, after that, uh, very good. Uh, uh, championship. Now they had to start again, and, and I think that that wasn't possible for them to put all the effort there. I mean, to an extent, I would agree, but they were starting again against Gimnasia, who were 18th in the league, who let in one and a half times as many goals as they scored. Um, Gimnasia proved a bit. I, I, I wouldn't say Gimnasia is now a great team and, uh, and they are candidates, but. Uh, the gimnasia, the gimnasia that played for Superliga, uh, compared to this one, are, are slight differences. They seem a lot more carefree. Yes, they, they, they seem to have sort of gone well. 
it's a knockout competition. We may as well just go for it and be enjoying themselves. And Han, not Juan. I always want to say Juan Carlos, but it's Han Carlos Hurtado, uh, um, who uh, some of our listeners will have heard a fair bit about or read a fair bit about in the last week or so because he's been linked quite heavily with Newcastle United and also apparently with one or two other clubs. Um, is is in really good form. Uh, we've we've not really talked about him during the season, um, but in the last few weeks, especially, he's, he's caught fire. Perhaps one of the most important goals he scored so far were against Boca in the uh, last Copa Argentina. Hmm. Um, in the last minute, was it? But it was very late. Yeah. Uh, and now, well, he's like like you say, it's a great form, and uh, it's surprising even for me to for him to be linked to the to a, an European team. But uh, yes, he's strong enough, I think, at least physically, and and now he's scoring goals and, and proving he also is good uh, for that uh, for Europe or or well perhaps I would think he will uh, be linked or be playing in another in a bigger team in Argentina first and then mm. perhaps yes go to to Europe. Yeah, I can't remember who the other teams he was linked to were, but it was it was Newcastle. There was another one other English team, I think. And you think, okay, fair enough. Premier League sides. If you're in the Premier League, then you're one of the thirty richest clubs in the world right now. That, so that is one of the teams. Yeah, there's a lot of money there. There was a there was an Italian club, Inter, or or oh. like one of the big or semi big Italian clubs, and then Cadiz in Spain. Yes, he's and I saw that and I thought. Have Cadiz been taken over by a Chinese billionaire and I've just not heard about this? Or are they really, really optimistic about how they think that? Because, I mean, if you've got offers from clubs who can, frankly, afford to pay you a lot more money than Cadiz, um, then I can't see why you would go there. I mean, it's a beautiful city. I love it. Yes. But um, to live there, as a footballer, I'm yes. not sure that you'd be fulfilling your true potential. To live there must be great. But, um, yes, uh, uh, not, not only about the money, but about the sport that... The, the, the football itself, I think. I mean, if you compare playing for Gimnasia or playing for Cadiz, of course, the money is perhaps the main difference there. Not that much difference in terms of of, of the the goals he he could reach or, mm. or or achieve playing one side or, or the other. Um, I would say, of course, I don't know Hurtado, and I don't know how he will react after an offer from Cadiz. But I would say at Gimnasia, and then. Yes, see whether uh, I can uh, sign for a perhaps bigger team in, in, in Argentina or, yes, if you say Newcastle, of course, I, I, I will sign right now, but uh, uh, Cadiz, I don't see it. No, indeed. Um, anyway, uh, so Gimnasia are going to face Argentinos in what I think it's fair to say, in spite of Gimnasia's impressive performances against Defensive Udicia, is probably the least enticing looking um, of the quarter-final fixtures. Argentinos deserved winners, I thought, even though they had to dig in for it against um, San Lorenzo. Uh, San Lorenzo actually took the lead on the on the day, on the afternoon, um, and um, had to be pegged back. But obviously Argentinos' goal in the first leg was what ultimately ended up deciding it. Uh, but that match was... The, the, the real talking point of that match was not the match itself. Can you remember this? Oh. Argentinos, uh, the the, ah, yes. the kits were agreed several days in advance, as is customary, of course, in you know all professional football everywhere. Um, but Argentinos, you might recall, we said last week, were sort of held up in Venezuela 
not able to play for quite some time um, and were obliged to return to Argentina without having played their match against Estudiantes de Merida. I was scrabbling around a bit there during that sentence. You probably realised to remember the name of their opponents. Um, they had to come back and um, the kits that they should have been wearing against San Lorenzo had to come back as well. And because Argentinos, I assume that this is the reason, because they were um, told that they were going to have to get back on a plane and get back to Merida to play that match. Actually, are they playing that? No, they today? have lost one nil and they advanced. Oh, they played it yesterday. Yeah. No, uh, today, but... but yeah, uh, today, yeah. it was today at like five o'clock, of course, yeah. wasn't it? Thank you. Um, so because they knew that they had to uh, do that, I'm assuming that that's why they decided not to unpack that kit. There was no point. So they turned up at San Lorenzo Stadium with their nice chain shirts and the organisers, the referee went, well, these are the wrong chain shirts. You're supposed to wear the white kit, not the black one. Um, at which point there was a lot of umming and ahhing and, and panning about and uh, it, there was a one-hour delay to kick-off because of that, which was quite wonderful. They had to play with San Lorenzo's shorts that San Lorenzo lent them. Sorry, not shorts, socks that San Lorenzo lent them. And they had to play with shorts that their kit man did manage to get hold of when he went to, apparently Argentinos have got a, a training um, a facility for their youth teams in Bajo Flores, quite close to San Lorenzo Stadium. So the kit man headed there and picked up a load of the youth team's shorts, which left some of the Size players of rather the uncomfortable. Yes, yeah, precisely. I mean, yes, Some of the players couldn't fit into them very comfortably. Um, but anyway, they got the result that they needed. And all of that was obviously far more entertaining um, than the actual match turned out to be. Uh, so Argentinos will play Gimnasia. The other ties, as we've already said, for the quarters, and I think that this probably makes the best sense to do this for, the, for now, sort of half review the matches and half preview the next one. So Atletico Tucumán... Um, versus Tacheres. Did you manage to catch this one, Andres? Not that much, um, but uh, I, I imagine that Atletico Tucumán in this point, at this point, uh, or this match was uh, took the leadership, and perhaps it was something to predict, and we did uh, because at Tucumán they they lost that, that uh, very very few matches there at Tucumán, and, and yeah. they feel comfortable. They are the ones that uh, attack more mainly, uh, and and I think that uh, that's uh, something that that's why also they celebrated the late goal in the first leg. Apart from being f with nine players and uh, having a much closer result, I mean three two. Uh, now that mean that meant that win, win one nil uh, will be enough for them to advance. But apart from that, because they playing on Tucumán, they, they are uh, safer and they play better. Yeah, I, I was um, I was able to catch it in sort of... Well, I had the whole match on, but I was also watching a, a film with my girlfriend on, on the laptop at the same time. Um, so I was kind of half paying attention. And essentially what I saw was, yeah, more or less what you've just guessed at. Atletico Tucumán were the far stronger side. Um, Tacheres, who served up, you know, a, a very exciting, uh, vibrant uh, victory. Not particularly great defending in the first leg, but but uh, who probably just about deserved that 3-2 win in the first leg. Just looked a shadow of, of themselves in, in, in the second. Atletico were clearly the better side. 
Um, they hit the woodwork, if I remember rightly, I think, at one point. Um, and yeah, they just generally created far better chances, played far better football, and eventually got the winner. Um, although they were already going through on away goals by the time it, it, it yes. was. But uh, Javier Toledo scored a penalty with about six minutes to go um, to seal it for 4-3. I was about to say 4-2 again, 4-3 on aggregate. Um, they will play River, who struggled a little bit in Mar del Plata in the first leg against Aldo Sibi, and who didn't struggle at all in the second leg uh, once the goals started going in about a quarter of the way into the game. Rafael Santos Borre in the 27th minute, Nicolás de la Cruz in the 31st minute and the 52nd minute, Lucas Prato in the 67th minute, Nicolás de la Cruz again in the 74th minute with a header, which is a bit weird because he's about your height. So, um, and Cristian Ferreira with a really nice uh, chip to finish things off uh, with seven minutes left, uh, leading to a 6-0 win. And River, like all of the talk for River before that game was about how many players they they had out. They're, they're missing Juan Fernando Quintero, they're missing Ignacio Coco, who's, I believe, gone and returned already, right, from Spain. Yes, he certainly yes. went to Spain for treatment. Yes, apparently he, he will have... He will take care, of course, of, of that injury, but uh, apparently he will be available for next season. Um, and there were only not mainly rec- or mostly recommendations from the doctor he went to to see, um, so that he can recover uh, at one hundred percent and uh, not to have the same uh, injury again because he had the first uh, symptoms he had were on, in November, I think. When he when real played against Estudiantes in November 2018, mm. and after that, apparently the recovery wasn't the best because uh, he went injured again in the same uh, same part of his body, the gemelos. I remember how you translated. No, I've forgotten now as well. Well, oh, the calf. Oh, okay. sorry. Yes, the calves. Um, yeah. So now now he knows. A bit more about how to the, the steps he must follow to to be at one at one hundred percent and not have the same problems again. Uh, and also Milton Casco, Matias Suarez. Now Matias Suarez is back again, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Montiel, Gonzalo Montiel is uh, like this. I think today or or, or yes, today in the training sessions were had a problem. And I don't know how many time how much time he will be out, but it's another. Muscle yeah, uh, in spite of which River have managed to play some pretty good football anyway, certainly against Aldo Sibi. They also did all right yesterday in a match that didn't really matter in the Copa Libertadores on Tuesday night. Uh, Internacional visited the Monumental. Inter already had the Group 1 anyway, whatever happened. River already had second place assured, whatever happened. Um, it was a 2-2 draw with Lucas Prato equalising with about a minute and a half left. Um, but uh, in the first half, River went 1-0 up and then really turned on the start. They played some really nice football in the first half and then Rafael Sobis uh, scored the first of two goals and the first one came out, out of nowhere almost. River fell asleep for half a second at a throw-in um, and Sobis scored from, what, 35-ish yards. Um, so style-wise, at least, River are, are finding things not too hard going without Juan Fernando Quintero. Something that we I, I, I am watching since... Of course, uh, some time ago, and uh, especially taking into account Quintero injuries and the, the, the rest of the injuries, 
the, of the other players injured is that uh, and now that Gallardo I think must, might be happy about it is that the, independently of the names the team continues playing the same way uh, or similarly of course mm. Quintero have, has some things that other players doesn't have uh, Ferreira or, or De La Cruz players that could play and, at, at his same position and aren't the same of course but uh, mainly the, the, te the team continues with the same idea uh, even with, the, with a lot of players that are, are out of the team uh, perhaps last night was a bit weird because Armani wasn't safe that is really really uh, strange and there was a, a, a I think a, a strange uh, a pair of, of center backs with uh, Lolo again in the first division in the first team oh yeah and Robert Rojas uh, they, they I think they haven't played together uh, it was the f their first time together and it, it was really uh, well they were a bit slow and not very accurate and, and uh, that is because they don't play that much lately mm. but uh, uh, and against the CV it was pouring goals uh, after the Borre goal it was only one side in the in the in the pitch and it was a strange uh, signal from the orchestra from the lineman in the first goal that made all the CV players uh, protest uh, or shouting at the at, at the lineman because apparently it, apparently he uh, made the gesture of the uh, offside mm. but the the main referee was uh, I don't remember right now Penel no I don't I don't remember well the, the referee uh, allowed the the play to, to award the goal and. Uh, I think that, of course, Delfino, made, Delfino. Referee. that made River be much more comfortable. And Aldo Civi, it was that only goal that that made Aldo Civi uh, just be out of the of the of the match. Yeah, uh, the other tie is Racing versus Tigre, um, which I think is going to be good. Yes, Racing. I think over the course of the two legs against Estudiantes, Racing seemed to have dropped off. Not much, just just a little from the momentum that carried them to the league title, and that's entirely understandable. Obviously, that's not really a, um, any uh, criticism of them. Um, they weren't able to sort of get into their full game against the Estudiantes, but they did already know that a nil-nil draw would be enough. And I got the impression, as a result, it, it was a little bit of a boring game more than anything because Estudiantes couldn't really threaten at any point, and Racing were able to turn it on if they needed to and they didn't completely like set out to play Catenaccio or anti-football or anything like that um, but they were just aware that there's no we'd be silly to take too many risks here when this lot just can't really do anything it, it was like watching the second half of a game in which one team's got a two or three goal lead and unlike the Champions League semi-finals actually knows how to protect it um, because they're not bottlers down here yeah you heard uh, anyway. by, by the way, well, not, I wouldn't say congratulations because, of course, you are not a fan of Liverpool or uh, Tottenham, but there are two English teams in the final of Champions League, and there will be one Argentine, only one player from Argentina, which is Lamela, playing for Tottenham. Well, Juan Foyt. Ah, and Foyt, sorry, well. two. That's maybe if if something happens to Loris, then Gazzaniga could get a game. Oh, yeah, he's got something. So, two or three. second choice goalkeepers, Argentine, anyway. But he prevented, well, Tottenham prevented um, Lisandro Magallan to play both finals 
of yes. Copa Libertadores and Champions League. Both in Madrid. Yes. In the space of six months. That would have been quite something. Um, as well as, of course, knocking out Nicolas Tagliafico as well. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. So, Racing, um, I think, deserved to go through, but there's not really an awful lot to say apart from Racing right now are, are the best club, the, the best uh, you know football team in Argentina, by definition. They've just won the league title. Um, and Estudiantes didn't really test them in spite of how close that aggregate score and indeed both scores in the, in the legs themselves were. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing them against Tigre because Tigre came back fantastically and actually did pull off a Champions League style comeback because they lost 2-1 in the first leg at, in their own stadium against Union and then they fell 1-0 down very early on. Maxi Quadra opened the scoring about three and a half minutes in in Santa Fe to make it 3-1 to Union on aggregate and then Tigre came storming back. There was no goal from Shemar. Yemar, sorry, because he's Colombian, isn't he? Gomez Andrade. Um, shortly before a long-range, long-ish range effort from Walter Montijo. Um, and then Federico Gonzalez scored what turned out to be the aggregate winner uh, with still about 23 or 24 minutes left. So it was more of a Liverpool-style yes. comeback than a, a Tottenham-style I, I thought Montijo wouldn't, make it be, wouldn't be able to make it because uh, in the, after the... Or during the first leg, he uh, went out with uh, with ice in his knee. I it think. was a big doubt, yeah. Yes, and finally he played, and he did as he uh, has been playing lately uh, very well. And but it was anyway it was a surprise because we uh, we mentioned Union as a, as a serious team, and, and even with Tigre being also uh, showing a great performances. Um, and not not deserving the the relegation and that, but uh, yes, it was really surprising for me um, the uh, way they they made it, that comeback. And I suppose that the logical question now is if we were to drop Tigre into the knockout stages of the Champions League, how would they do? No, I I don't think they will have chances. No, you don't. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's really really hard. Indeed. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they do against Racing, though. I I mean, obviously, towards the end of this podcast, or at the end of this podcast, I'll give you my predictions, um, for probably for the ties, and we'll explain why I'll be predicting the entire ties in a bit. But um, it's going to be interesting. Yes, Cody wasn't happy uh, after the narrow qualification from Racing, mm. because, well, Atuendes wasn't that close to, to score, but he was... Close to the box, at least, uh, 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 generating some uh, not that, that clear chances, but uh, making racing uh, qualification not that that sure. Yeah. And and he said, could you say that they must forget that was that will be impossible? But it, it was like they were still celebration, celebrating the title. Mm. And of course, he doesn't want that anymore because. Uh, uh, now they have to focus on, on Copa Superliga, not Superliga. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, I think he was overreacting a little. I think he was a bit more comfortable than he was making out. But obviously, he has high standards, um, and, and so he should. Um, the other tie is Boca versus Belis, and I think that that one is a mouth-watering tie. Uh, Boca over two legs against Godoy Cruz. We talked about that tie when the draw was made and said this one could be an interesting one. It's going to be interesting to see how Boca cope with the challenge of going to Mendoza. 
Godoy Cruz perhaps have the opportunity to spring a little bit of a surprise in the Bombonera as well? No. No. None of that happened. Boca were in both legs, I thought, clearly the better side. They got a, perhaps a little bit of help from the officials in Mendoza in the first leg. Oh, no, hang on, sorry, that was in Mendoza in the Super Copa, wasn't it? That, that there was a slightly controversial call. Uh, and it wasn't really that controversial. Um, but uh, they, um, they were just the better team, I thought, in, in both legs. Uh, Ramon Avila scored a double, five minutes and 55 minutes in. Um, Richard... Prieto scored a rather handy little solo goal to drag Godoy Cruz back into it with 10 minutes to go. That made it 2-1 on the night and still 4-2 to Boca on aggregate, so it would have still taken something astonishing to get Godoy Cruz through, but uh, it momentarily made it slightly interesting. And then Mauro Sarate uh, scored a free kick with a lot of help from Godoy Cruz's goalkeeper, whose name I've forgotten, um, from out in a wide position to wrap things up. Um, Bit over the course of the the game, I mean, again, the most noteworthy thing really about that match, such was Boca's confidence and and control of the game, um, yes. was the state of the pitch because it started absolutely hammering it down just around kickoff here in Buenos Aires, um, and the Bombonera pitch, as as we've seen uh, a lot, and as is entirely understandable. Obviously, I know that a lot of our listeners are Boca fans, and a lot of our listeners are aware that I'm a River sympathizer. Uh, I don't want anybody to think that I'm mocking them here. The Bombonera is uh, a stadium with a slightly antiquated drainage system that was, we're told, that Boca spent loads of money just a couple of years ago on uh, on redoing. But it remains in the lowest-lying barrio of Buenos Aires, yes. um, right next to one river, a very short distance away from the Rio de la Plata estuary. When it rains in Buenos Aires, the Bombonera pitch gets absolutely drenched. And as a result, the game got held up for about half an hour or something, halfway through the first yes, half. Yes, but they have a new thing. Uh, They've got like a tarpaulin. A device, yes, that yeah. measures the water that falls, and <laughs> they didn't pay attention to that. Because but they, they, they have a tarpaulin to, to spread across the pitch if it starts raining like the day before a game. But when it's a deluge like that that happens right at kickoff, there's not an awful lot they can do. Unless yes. I, I suppose they could suspend the tarpaulin across the top of the stadium so that nobody gets wet, but that would be... Hey, that's a good idea. I might sell that to Argentine football clubs. Yes. Or, really novel idea, why don't you just put a fucking roof on the stand so the fans at least don't get soaked while everybody's waiting? Because that happened with San Lorenzo Argentinos. When when all the mess was going on with the Argentinos kit, the, the game was held up for an hour in the pouring rain, because that was right before um, Boca Godoy Cruz. Um, in the absolutely driving rain. And the fans are all just having to sit out there Nearly all of whom are in uncovered stands because there's one stand in San Lorenzo Stadium that does have a roof, um, and then the same thing in the Bombonera. This this rain started, and you know the fans have all got to just sort of sit there, getting absolutely drenched. And I know how drenched they were getting because I was at the Monumental for that River Boca that got played when it shouldn't have got played a few a few years ago, and I was heading to the Monumental for Argentina Brazil a year after that, which did get called off and rescheduled for 24 hours later. The part of the difficulty, of course, for Boca Godoy Cruz, having just mentioned rescheduling, is that the calendar uh, was very, very strict. So to allow the 72-hour um, rest period that Argentine clubs are entitled to under AFA regulations between matches, uh, they would have had to play no later than about half past four on Monday afternoon if that match had been called off because both Godoy Cruz and Boca Juniors are in Copa Libertadores action on Thursday evening. And, and now I don't know uh, the rest of the draws, but uh, uh, at least uh, regarding River and Atlético Tucumán, there, there will be that 
minimum uh, time that they have to wait for the following match because the first leg will be on Saturday and the second one on Tuesday. That's correct. Yeah. So, so Saturday, only three Sunday, days. Monday, Tuesday. So yeah, that's three days. Uh, we will. Ex- uh, well, I'll go through the exact dates of all of the draws actually in a bit because it's, there's a bit of a talking point around that as well. Um, so that's Boca. Uh, they they look pretty comfortable. Uh, and we're going to have to hope that it doesn't rain again for the Bombonera leg of that tie. And Belis um, against Lanús, I have to say, is the one match that uh, of the weekend just gone that I didn't manage to catch any of. Did you? Please no, say yes. I, I, me neither. Bugger. Uh, Belis won 2-0, and I'm going to really quickly, in that case, look up the statistics, which I know don't always say everything about a game, uh, but it's all we have to go on this time because we didn't plan ahead enough. Um, and the stats suggest, in fact, they suggest that that 2-0 win for Belis was daylight robbery. Uh, because according to this, Lanus had two-thirds of the possession. Lanus had 19 shots to Belis's five, um, of which Belis managed three on target and Lanus managed eight on target. So I'm not sure about whether it actually was daylight robbery or not. But perhaps Vélez got a little bit lucky. They also had Lucas Robertone sent off uh, 10 minutes into the second half, um, by which time they were already 2-0 up, and that might have a lot to do, I suspect, with Lanus's statistical domination. I'm guessing, we, we will suggest, clear. We will have uh, suggested that, in, uh, taking into account that Lanus needed uh, to score twice, because... Um, they had to to yes to win the, uh, at least two one the way the same way, Vélez uh, had the the victory in the first leg, mm. or well, two goals different so they had to to attack a lot. In fact, they had to score yes. uh, four times, didn't they? Because they were two nil down on the day, not on aggregate, and four uh, one down on uh, on aggregate. Uh, so by that point, they would have needed. Let's see, if they pulled it back, if they'd scored three, then they'd have still gone out. No, they would have gone through on away goals then, wouldn't they, with a 4-4 draw. Um, so, yeah, they needed three three goals. Um, but I think that with the football that Vélez had been playing and with, uh, you know, Gabriel Hainse made the point after the last Superliga game of the season, they're not boys anymore, they're men, even though uh, a lot of Vélez's team are quite young. Um, I think that Vélez versus Boca could be a, a good game if Hainse can get into their heads that there's no reason to fear yes. um, Boca. Yes. Uh, and that, I think, makes a sensible point to conclude the first half of the podcast. When we come back, we will fill you in on the latest developments in the Women's League, including me correcting something that I said last week, which wasn't quite correct, I don't think. I'm going to check it quickly now in the break. Um, we will answer some listeners' questions, because we've had listeners' questions this week, which is wonderful. Uh, and we'll talk about some other stuff, no doubt, as usual. The first thing that we're going to mention very quickly are the days for the quarterfinals of the Copa Superliga. The reason that we're doing this is that we've got plenty of matches coming up uh, in a very short space of time. Um, in order to get the Copa Superliga finished with a big enough gap prior to the Copa America kicking off, um, the quarterfinal second legs are going to be played midweek. That was 
announced quite some time ago. Um, there has, however, been a slightly weird change that we'll get to in a second. So the first games are Tigre versus Racing and Atletico Tucumán versus River, both on Saturday. And Argentinos Juniors versus Gimnasia and Belez Sarsfield versus Boca, both on Sunday. You can watch these, of course, with our sponsors, Fanatis, um, through whom, if you're outside Latin America, you can catch the Superliga, the Copa Superliga and the Copa Argentina um, and plenty of other stuff as well. And if you're in the United States, you've also got the Libertadores, the Sudamericana, La Liga, Ligan and a bunch of other things, um, all for a very generous uh, and reasonable monthly fee. If you head to www.fntz.co slash HOP, then you can check out their content. And if you want a 20% discount on your first three months with them, just use the discount code HOP slash F... No, not slash. Ignore that. Use the discount code HOPFZ or HOPFZ if you're American. Um, thank you very much to them. And if you're outside Latin America and you're not planning on signing up, please go to the link anyway, because we get a little bit of money for that as well. Again, that address is fntz.co slash HOP. So you can watch all of this weekend's games on uh, Fanatis, and you can also watch the second legs, which are going to be played on Tuesday and for some reason Thursday. Because originally announced that the, uh, the second legs were going to be played on Tuesday and Wednesday, and a couple of days, actually I think yesterday, um, yesterday let's say, uh, they, <laughs> them, you know, those ones, uh, the, the AFA or the Superliga or whoever the hell it is who's in charge of this competition, um, announced that they were going to be played Tuesday and Thursday instead. And loads of uh, places have reported this change and none of them have given us a reason. So I'd love to tell you why, but I can't because I don't know. Uh, the main reason that I find this annoying is that I run a weekly English language Argentine football podcast and was hoping to be able to record after we knew who was going to be in the semi-finals. But since the last game ends, at, it kicks off at ten past nine on Thursday night. I can't really work out how we're going to record next week in time to then yes. get going. Um, I mean, maybe a Friday afternoon recording, but that would be really, really inconvenient for me, to be honest. So I'm not sure what we're going to do. We might be having to record next week, only knowing the lineup for one of the semi-finals, which would be very, very irritating. But there you go. Worst things have happened, I suppose, in the history of the the, you know, the human ones who endeavor. who um, make the, the the schedule it should be the, the Superliga, it's Copa Superliga. So yes, of course it's the Superliga. Sorry, yeah, uh, I should have been thinking, shouldn't I? Obviously, yes. it wouldn't be the AFA. You never know yeah. because it's you. You are talking about Argentina, and 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 of course, it's not that Europe uh, has a lot of things, or it's one hundred percent perfect. But Argentina, in terms of organization and and and, and matches and the schedule and the calendar, we know that, and we have already said it a lot of times that it's not the best. So. Uh, it wouldn't be really to, to, to really strange for for that for this special tournament or for this uh, cup, cup or copa uh, the ones who make the uh, or the pro program the, the the matches was the, the was AFA instead of superliga yes no indeed it wouldn't be entirely surprising but you're quite right it is the superliga um, we will move on quickly to the lower divisions. First of all, we have to give you the news that um, Atlanta are up. So 
Possibly Dan can't make it tonight because he's celebrating still. Could be. Maybe. It's not the only um, one, of course, uh, because there are uh, another, other teams that, apart from Barracas Central, who are the champions, are Estudiantes de Buenos Aires and Riestra. The ones that, the four teams that will be promoted uh, direct or straight to the National B, and there is still a playoff being played. So there will be one more. Uh, Bar- Barracas Central are also already up, of course. Yes. Um, we we mentioned that several weeks ago because yes. they finished top by an absolute mile. Um, so it's Barracas top, Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, as Andres says, sec- second, Atlanta third. Um, and is it the top? So the top four go straight up, Riestra, and then the other sides are fifth to eighth, which is Acasuso, San Telmo, Y Orquiza, the men's ones, and all boys. I've completely forgotten that all boys have fallen all the way down. This is Primera Bay that we're talking about, by the way, the uh, the third division. So when I said Atlanta are up, what I meant was they're up into the second division uh, for yes. what it feels like the first time in ages. But actually, it's the first time since River were in the second division, yes. isn't it? Because they they played against River that season and got absolutely smashed. Um, but it's always a, a big moment uh, in the neighbouring barrio of Misha Crespo because we're recording just yes. over the, the over the line in Almagro possibly that, not for much longer but I'll fill you in on that a bit later there are still two rounds to be played but the the straight promotions are have already been decided and then after that after round 38 mm. there will be a playoff with those four teams uh, that you oh, mentioned oh you're quite right yeah so in fact Wairquiza and all boys and in fact, San Telmo aren't mathematically certain yet. Acasuso are definitely going to finish in the in the playoff spots. San Telmo are almost definitely going to because they're five points ahead of ninth place Colegiales with six points to play for. Both Wayorquisa and All Boys are on fifty points, and Colegiales are on forty eight. But crucially, possibly crucially, Colegiales have got a much better goal difference than either Wayorquisa or All Boys, yes. which is a bit weird. Uh, Wairoquisa's goal difference is minus 6 All Boys is minus 7 and Colegiales have a towering minus 1 um, so if Colegiales can say draw both of their remaining games and All Boys and Wairoquisa lose both of theirs both of them um, then Colegiales will finish above them on goal difference Yes, which they, will be exciting they could grab a spot there indeed uh, watch this space in the B Nacional the second division uh, the Reducido is now being played. Uh, the matches uh, this past weekend finished Independiente Rivadavia got a 4-1 win at home to Nueva Chicago. Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero and Platense drew 0-0 in Santiago del Estero. Uh, Brown de Adrogué 0, Sarmiento de Junín 1. So Sarmiento not having too much of a hangover from that 1-0 defeat in the title um, I was going to say playoff, but obviously not really a playoff. It's a title tiebreaker final, uh, against yes. Arsenal. And uh, Gimnasia de Mendoza won Almagro won in well in Mendoza. Yes, the one um, who scored the goal for Almagro is uh, Burrito Martinez, Juan Manuel Martinez, who's now there. Ah, the former Vélez Independiente and the Argentinos Juniors striker. Uh, right, yeah, I, I saw on one of the cable TV roundups of lower division goals that, you know, because I just have the sports channels on all day, I end up seeing some of this stuff and barely even registering it. And yeah, I saw a few weeks ago that he was playing for Armand Grajli and immediately forgot the information within about five seconds, because uh, that's how interesting it is. But yeah, that, that's a good point, Andres. Well done. Uh, so the, the return fixtures are being played this 
Saturday, Nueva Chicago versus Independiente Rivadavia and Sarmiento versus Brown de Androgué. On Sunday, Platense hosts Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. And on Monday night, Almagro hosts Gimnasia de Mendoza. Do away goals count extra for this? Or is it like... I don't know. I'm not for sure. They should be because they are uh, first and second leg, but Mm. I really don't know. We shall see. In the women's league, meanwhile, I mentioned that I had a bit of a correction... It, it's not so much a correction, but it, it's a slight clarification because I said something uh, last week. I mentioned that Wai Urquiza um, had. No, I didn't, sorry. I meant, we mentioned that Boca had beaten River in the Ladies Super Classic, or didn't we? And I said that that meant that it was no longer the case that River could win the league by just winning all their games because Wai Urquiza, if they won all of their games, would leapfrog them due to a game in hand. What I was not aware of when I said that is that. A, we've now only got one game left. Uh, the results from the weekend just gone. Um, well, Anus nil, Huracan nil, Boca eight, Racing nil, Wayorquisa six, San Lorenzo one, and University of Buenos Aires one, River four. That's in the championship um, group, obviously. Um, and that means that Wayorquisa have leapfrogged River. They're now two points ahead of River. Uh, and there's only one game to go. But thrillingly, that game is River versus Wayorquisa. Which means that any one of the top three, because Boca are three points behind Wayorquiza, could... Hang on, have I got this right? No, I've not got it right. Boca are out of the title race, of course they are. Yes. Uh, because if River beat Wayorquiza, then River themselves will, will be ahead of uh, Boca anyway. Um, so if they draw, Wayorquiza... draw will give Wayorquiza yes. the title, yeah. Um, so the top two are essentially playing off this Saturday at three o'clock Argentine time. Uh, River are the home side, so the game will be played... I have seen a couple of River fans saying that they should play it in the Monumental. Um, I think in practice it's going to be played in the auxiliary pitch out, just outside the Monumental where the ladies normally play. Um, that will be, that the, should be good. The match will be at 4 p.m.? 3 p.m. 3 p.m., sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it will, be, it will finish three hours before River plays for the Copa Superliga, the male, the male side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they should, should be, really... Yes move it into the Monumental and, and play as the curtain raiser. But yes. um, we'll see, because... Three days after, they have to play there. Uh, it wouldn't be in that, that, pro, that a problem, but... Uh, I, I think it would be fantastic if they did it, but Marcelo Gachardo is very, very protective of the state of the Monumental pitch, which I think is a little bit... It's better than... Questionable, was, given the state of the Monumental pitch often when River play on it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, like I said, I've seen a couple of people suggest it but I haven't seen like a big mass surge for it the way that there was for um, prior to, to Boca allowing allowing their women to play against Lanús um, a couple of months ago uh, which is a bit of a shame but would be great also to of course uh, selling tickets and, and, and people going there would mm. be also uh, a great a, a good decision for female football to really be considered a uh, Uh, a similar way than the male but the problem is that for example River have increased their prices for the membership I think 60% or or at least the the tickets that you buy or you get like the reservation of your place which is called Tulugar en el Monumental your spot in the Monumental uh, that you you can reserve or you can book for all the season or or I think the whole year not the season Mm. and it's quite expensive they have increased it a lot. Uh, so, uh, and the uh, assumption, obviously, is that all of that money is 
yes. money that the men's football team, the men's professional team, are bringing in. So I suppose yes. there'd be some difficulty with working out the maths if those let the, the the women play there as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, just to be clear, neither I nor Andre, I suspect Andres isn't, and I know that I'm not. Are trying to make excuses for River not allowing the ladies to play there. Um, I think is a bit of a shame, but I don't think that it's going to happen because I think if it was going to happen, they would have announced it already, probably. Yes. Um, although, as Andres said a few minutes ago, this is Argentina, so maybe we'll hear something right at the last minute. Maybe they'll wait until about yes. midday on Saturday and then go, hey, girls, get your kit over here because we're playing in the Monumental. Uh, fingers crossed. Um, in the relegation um, group, so the the bottom... 16 of from the first half of the of the season in the women's league then go into a separate group and just play to avoid relegation uh, Atlanta and Deportivo Moron are already down they have got 10 and 6 points respectively and El Porvenir are safe with 14 points the results uh, from last weekend were Bicha San Carlos 1 Platense 1 Estudiantes de la Plata 4 Independiente 2 Atlanta 6 Moron 1 and El Porvenir 2 Excursionistas 2 so unlucky Atlanta and Deportivo Moron I suppose so it's, it's been a week of mixed news for Atlanta in that case well, one good news and one bad news for mm. Atlanta but both of them will be playing in the second division next season just yes. coming at it from different directions um, we also have a oh Shit, I forgot to get this up on screen, didn't I? The under-20 um, World Cup squad has been announced. Um, let me see if I can really quickly get something up. Incredibly, the, the AFA itself, uh, the official Twitter account, have uh, posted that, uh, that list, but uh, they haven't done it with the... the, the the position of the players, only the list. Yes, just the um, player and the club, which yes. is a bit annoying. So we're going to take you through the names now. And um, oh, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll read the names. And Andres, if you can remember which position the player plays in, then shout out. Manuel Rofo, Boca Juniors. Well, he's the goalkeeper. In yes. this case, I think the first place goes to the goalkeeper. Neuen Perez of Atletico de Madrid. Defender. Defender, yes, yes, that's what I thought. Francisco Ortega, Belles Sarsfield. I think he's also is a left back. Well, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps it, it was uh, not with the they uh, they didn't input the, the the position, but it is with in order with the first with the first the expected defenders. first eleven, yes. and then yes, yeah, maybe. Uh, Facundo, oh, I know this one. Facundo yeah. Mura, the Estudiantes. He's a fullback of yes. some description. I can't remember whether right or left. Santiago Sosa, River Plate. He's a midfielder, centre midfielder. Maximiliano Centurion, Argentinos Juniors. I don't know if he has. He's a relative of uh, the Centurion that played for Racing, but I think he could be also midfielder because of the place he was situated in the in the list. Just going to Google him now, and we'll fill you in in a minute. So I don't think he is, but I was, no. we'll find out. Julian Alvarez, River Plate. Striker. He scored the goal last night uh, did, in yeah. the international. Ah, he was the one who scored the nicely lifted over the goalkeeper yes. one. Sorry, I, I gave that to Christian Ferreira against Aldo Sibi because it was fresh in my mind. But uh, yeah. Uh, Agustin Almendra, Boca Juniors. Also midfielder. A similar position to Sosa from yeah. River. And like Alvarez, he's played. Uh, Quite recently and, and yes. you know fairly frequently in, in in the first team, he started to get some appearances. Adolfo Gaich, San Lorenzo. He's a striker. Yeah, and he's massive. 
Gonzalo Maroni Tacheres. Perhaps the few enganches hmm. that are still in the Argentina, but he's uh, there enganche. Yeah, Aníbal Moreno, Newell's old boys. In midfielder, I think offensive midfielder could be. He, he came into the team quite the first team quite late in the Superliga season, if I remember rightly, and he's looked. Uh, he's shown a few moments. Uh, oh, blimey! Now let's see how an Argentine would pronounce this. Jerónimo Portau. Estudiantes. I think he's Portau. I don't know why, mm. uh, how he is pronounced correctly, but I will say Portau. And do you know where he plays? Yeah, I think he may be a goalkeeper because he's, uh, again, he's... He's, he's got the right name for it. Yes. It looks a little bit Apart like Portero, doesn't yes. it? So hopefully he's a goalkeeper because that would be nominative determinism. That would be fantastic. Marcelo... Oh, so, another one. Weigand. In, in German, that would just be Weigand. But, yes, um, he's not German, of course. No. He's uh, he played at the weekend against Godot Yes, Cruz. he's a right back because yeah. he played, the, yes, uh, like you said, in Godot Cruz. Facundo Medina Tacheres. Also a um, centre-back. I mm-hmm. think he plays with uh, alongside with Nehuen no, no Perez. Fausto Berra, Argentinos Juniors. Centre-back, I think? No, I think he's centre no. midfielder, okay. I think. Agustin Ursi, Banfield. He's a midfielder from, from the left, I think, left side. Mm. Tomas Chancalay, Colón. He's a sort of second striker, yeah. kind of inside forward. Christian Ferreira, River. It's offensive midfielder. It's, yeah, he's it's Christian Ferreira. He's the one we've been talking about. Pedro de la Vega, Lanús. Also, we will say single, second striker. Yeah. Um, he can Winger, play. inside forward, second yes. striker, kind of, yeah. Uh, Ezequiel Barco, Atlanta United. We all know this one. Yes. He's a midfielder, left winger. That guy. Joaquin Blasquez, Valencia. I have never ba- Valencia, heard of him. sorry, because he plays in Spain. I have never heard of him. No, nor have I. Uh, if you know where Joaquin Blasquez, uh, maybe it's Blasquez, because m- maybe yes. he pronounces it the Spanish way if he plays there already. Uh, if you know where he plays, like whereabouts on the pitch, because obviously we have just told you he plays in Valencia, um, then please get in touch and let us know. Um, there are a few players who are missing out. Maxi Romero, Facundo Colidio, um, and Teo Almada. Almada is probably yes. the biggest miss in terms of the fact that the others who most of the people have mentioned are, are playing in Europe and therefore it's a little bit more understandable and less surprising. That their clubs wouldn't release them. Um, anyway, Thiago he, Almada plays yes. for Belles still and was expected to be. A he could even, he, he could even he could be stay he he could still play for national and the twenty national team because he's only eighteen I think was, mm. he uh, was seventeen when he played for Americano and now he's eighteen I think. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I've just scrolled down and and found that now the news oh. website that we were reading this from has actually got them listed by. Um, uh, by uh, position, so the ones that we didn't get, Joaquin Blasquez is a goalkeeper, and oh, and Jeronimo Portal is an, is a goalkeeper as well. That's <laughs> just I, I'm really happy about that. If you're wondering why, because you don't speak Spanish, by the way, portero yes. is Spanish is one of the Spanish words because they've got about seventeen of them uh, for goalkeeper, um, and he's called Portal, which is quite similar. Um, others, did we get anything wrong? Max, Maximiliano Centurion's a defender, apparently. Um, Fausto Vera is a midfielder as you corrected me Andres well done and uh, yep that's that and Ortega is also a midfielder I thought he was a more left back ah yes yes yeah Um, so there you go so that is the uh, list for the under 20 World Cup which begins 
on the 23rd of May. Oh, that's in like two weeks' time. Yes, and Argentina think they play their first match on the 26th of May. No, 25th of May. We will, of course, be filling you in on that and on the Women's World Cup, which I don't think we have um, a squad for yet, do we? They've not announced that. I don't think so. Uh, Just yet. I assume it'll be coming at at the end of the women's season which of course is after this coming weekend uh, but we shall find out um, fairly soon I would have thought because that starts on the is it early June something like that um, yes anyway oh listeners questions that, that was it I was about to say can you think of anything else and yes I can because we've got some questions from, from you wonderful people uh, the first of which is Liam Delaney it is ridiculous that Tigre have been relegated this season. Discuss. I, I did retweet this from the Hand of Pod account and say, Liam, have you heard any of this this year's episodes? Um, and he insists that he listens every week, uh, but that their performance at the weekend highlights the madness of it. Now, yeah, basically. And I'm not, w- without repeating ourselves, I'm not really sure how else to respond. Perhaps now the, the discussion or, or the thing that will be really interesting to see is whether the team will res- will stay remain the same or or if they, there will be a lot of players leaving hmm. uh, because they will be in the national B. Uh, of course, if they stay like this, it's not a crazy thing to think they will be back. Uh, if if they manage to win the Copa Superliga, and therefore get a place in next year's Libertadores maybe they could try to hang on to them although even then they'd still have six months of having to play in the Nacional Bay before ne- before next year's Libertadores even began so it, it's a it's going to be tricky isn't it and yeah you know the Argentine relegation system is stupid uh, there's not really very much more to say about it I don't think yes no um, we've also had another question and it has come in by email Thank you very much to Mr. Belgrano English for sending me a direct message on Twitter to make sure that I saw this. Because Jimmy Lee, who is Belgrano English, uh, says, I don't think we're actually going to be able to give a very satisfactory answer to this one right now at short notice. But Jimmy says, people regularly ask you guys questions about the best stadiums in the Superliga. But this week I spent a few hours on Google Maps looking at all the stadiums of the teams in the B Nacional. There were a couple of impressive ones. Gimnasia de Jujuy and Deportivo Moron are the first two that come to mind. Which stadiums would make your 20-team first division of stadiums? It's really hard to... It is hard. And I was actually... I saw this one, like, shortly after Jimmy sent it. Um, I would have forgotten about it if he hadn't sent me the direct message, so... Well thought, Jimmy. Um, but I, I saw the email when it first came in. And I've kind of been thinking about it since. So I, I saw it maybe 20 minutes or so before Andres got here, because that's more or less when he sent it. Um, and I'm not sure that I can answer it. I say I've, it's difficult to get a satisfactory answer, but actually I'm not sure I can really give an answer at all, because practically all of the stadiums I'm familiar with are first division stadiums in the city of Buenos Aires and Avellaneda. Um The other grounds, I've seen Moron's old one because my ex-girlfriend used to live in near Moron um, yeah. but um, I believe I'm led to believe that they've remodelled or possibly built an entirely new stadium since I was last in Moron which was 13 and a half years ago um, and other than that I've seen the 
Malvinas Argentinas, which is the uh, municipal stadium in Mendoza, where Godoy Cruz play their first division matches at the moment, but which is not Godoy Cruz's stadium. I've seen Newell's uh, stadium. But I've yes. seen the Ciudad Unica de la Plata. I've seen from the outside El Bosque, Gimnasia Stadium. Um, and again, I, the two Avellaneda ones outside the city of Buenos Aires. And that's that's about it. I don't get to travel around Argentina very the Ferro, much. The Ferro uh, Stadium is... Oh, one, Ferro, of course. Yes, I've been easy, to the game at Ferro. Yeah. Easy to, to visit. Uh, it, well, because Jimmy asked for... Or at least he, he saw some... National Bay teams stadiums, mm. and the Ferros uh, stadium has the uh, crazy thing. I wouldn't say crazy because there are a lot of stadiums that have the same same possibility. For the ones who live there uh, or near there in in buildings that are surrounding the the stadium to watch, of yeah. course not at the best uh, view to watch the, the the matches or the teams that are training there. And quite a lot of gigs as well that are held in the auxiliary stadium right next to it. Yes, uh, I went to see Jamiroquai there a few years ago, and there were people in on the balconies across the road who I suspect some of them had just sold access to their balcony for the evening yes. uh, and whatnot because they they play quite a few gigs in in on the stage in that ground. Um, but yeah, Ferro also is actually quite. A, I've mentioned many times on Hand of Pod that Ferro is the stadium. Uh, which or Ferro are the club whose stadium have never moved in Buenos Aires. It's also the closest stadium to the geographical centre of Buenos Aires, even though it's nowhere near Buenos Aires city centre, which is a different thing entirely, of course. Um, and it, it looks quite cool as well. It's a little bit like a really run-down, small shit version of St. James's Park. There's one absolutely massive stand, um, and then three that aren't massive at all, and that actually nobody really goes in at the moment, because, well, when I was there, at least they were all wooden. I think they're now replacing them with concrete ones, because, yes. uh, you know, they're less likely to catch fire and even in Argentina fire regulations aren't great but it, it's um, they, they've cottoned on to the fact that it's not a great idea to have a wooden stand anymore um, but yeah otherwise uh, the ones that I can think that would definitely have to be in said Superliga would be the ones belonging to the big five for fairly obvious reasons Vélez um, and again I've not travelled around Argentina much so you know, if if I don't list your club in the interior, then it's not because I don't think it's a good stadium. It's just because I can't give a give an opinion on it. Um, I reluctantly would put the Ciudad de la Plata, the municipal ground in La Plata, up there. Um, I don't think it's a fantastic stadium to watch football in. And when I went there, which was for the Copa America in 2011, shortly after it was opened, the pitch was an absolute state for all of those matches, which for a, a competition like the Copa America obviously wasn't great. Um, yeah, it's was. also very, very, very cold in the press room. But um, it, it looks nice. And it's got a roof above the stands, which is no small thing in Argentina, where it does rain. They like to pretend it doesn't, but it does. Um so that's that's got us up to seven. Oh, probably Huracan for the just the architectural beauty of, yes, of the, the ground. Palacio, Luco. Um, and actually, having said the big five, I'm now thinking: Does San Lorenzo Stadium get in there? Well, uh, I'm not sure it should. <laughs> so let's take that off. So we're, we're back down to seven. The San Lorenzo Stadium has that problem of uh, that they can't play at, at night because of the problems they have yeah, near. It's in a terrifying uh, neighborhood. Well, and it's, but it's also just sort of four separate stands. It's not really one. Yes. Architecturally speaking, it's a, it's not great. 
Um, but there is this gives us an excuse to mention the developments regarding San Lorenzo Stadium, which uh, I think we possibly would have remembered if it weren't for the fact that Argentinos Kitman decided to have a bit of a nightmare at the weekend. Um, that San Lorenzo versus Argentinos match, which was played on Sunday, wasn't it? Um, was played on the same day that the Carrefour supermarket standing on the site of San Lorenzo's old stadium, which is going to be the site of San Lorenzo's new stadium, shut its doors. Um, on the 1st of July, that ground returns to being the property of San Lorenzo. There's been some controversy, some very muted controversy, because when the law was passed a few years ago saying that Carrefour were obliged to sell the ground back to San Lorenzo, um, part of the law stated that nobody should be out of work as a result of this, and apparently Carrefour have simply laid off about 200 people. So there are people out of work as a result of it. Uh, there are also people who are very pissed off with San Lorenzo for this, for reasons that I'm not really sure about, when it's clearly Carrefour's fault. Um, but, yeah, that's that's happened. So if you're a San Lorenzo fan, then... Uh, no, perhaps they are... The they are upset. Away, though, is a little bit closer. Perhaps they are upset because the, the San Lorenzo supporters are happy with Carrefour shutting down and they don't they didn't care bad, ma- that much about the people mm. that are... Uh, now unemployed but uh, yes they don't have the, uh, they are not to blame of course no exactly um, it, it's not great behaviour if you have a Carrefour or a Carrefour owned supermarket in your own country maybe you could boycott in protest yes I'm not really sure how, how um, we have to vocal see that would be but uh, about the stadiums we have to see how uh, if what Baron said and we mentioned last night last day uh, last night last week that the 9th of oh, November will yeah. be uh, their new stadium will open their doors uh, how we perhaps if we can put it as one of the best hmm. stadiums yeah uh, yes maybe it will be uh, I'm not going to mention the Mendoza one mostly because for nighttime games I find that one slightly terrifying to return from as yes. well it's in the middle of a big park and you know parks are really nice but parks in Argentine cities after dark even when that uh, was along with the for example the Santa Fe the Colón uh, Brigadier Estanislao mm. Lopez Stadium uh, they were restyled or renewed when uh, Argentina hosted the Copa America I think you mentioned the Mendoza one yeah um, Jimmy obviously also wants some suggestions from the lower divisions but beyond having gone past Excursionistas Stadium as I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago for some reason uh, I'm thinking it's quite pretty in the middle of Belgrano here in, in Buenos Aires. Um, I can't think of many others. Can you think of any lower division stadiums that might make the cut, Andres? Um, well, there, in the province, that, for example, Nacional B have the mix between the ones that are close to the greater Buenos Aires and, and city and the ones that are more in the interior, like, for example, um, Brown de Puerto Madryn, which is in the south of the country, mm-hmm. or Agropecuario, or um, Mitre of Santiago del Estero. But then you have Kilmes, which is a, I think it's a good stadium even when it's not very well situated. Oh, Kilmes is, yeah. You, you and Dan and you have talked about this that they, it is not very well uh, situated because of the well, the, similar to San Lorenzo's perhaps uh, problem. Yeah, and it's just a bit of a pain in the ass to get to from central Buenos Aires as well. Uh, I'm guessing that that your reasoning for mentioning those ones that are further away is that your idea of uh, of what the stadium itself is like is about as good as mine is. 
Yes, yes, yeah. because if I can if I can go there, I can see whether it's mm. good or not. But uh, precisely, the the other thing though that, that I have to say is that it, it very much depends on what you're talking about when you say a good stadium. Obviously, mm. um, to European or I mean, as, as Jimmy is obviously aware, um, to European or North American eyes, the stadiums down here are, you know, the best stadiums in Argentina are, are still awful um, in comparison. You know, we're not talking. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, say, with all of those gushing articles that got written after it opened when, I mean, okay, fine. Um, None of them are like that. None of them have got bottom-up pouring pint glasses or anything like that. Um, But there are some that have got a little bit of character, I guess, at least, even though they're all crumbling and falling to pieces and deeply unsafe by European standards. Um, But, yeah. So we've got a list of sort of a hardcore seven or eight maybe that you could stick in there as definitely being there. But listing 20 is a job for a much more dedicated group of ground hoppers with much more money to travel around Argentina uh, than us, but I'm afraid. The, yes, the, the, the something crucial or, or key is to define or to state what is for one, for one, for one people could be a, a better thing could be because of uh, Uh, certain features or, and for other people could be a different uh, point of view mm. so you ha- you have to, of course I think that uh, the uh, capacity or the people that could uh, get into the stadium and the, uh, if it's easy or hard to, to go there could be one of or two uh, things to take into account but it's only two then you have to analyze other things and it will depend on your opinion or the other opinion exactly yeah Um, that's it those are all of the listeners questions so after this next piece of music you will hear Mystic Sam's predictions for uh, I'm going to just try and predict who's going to go through to the semi-finals um, rather than just this weekend because of the fact that we're next week going to be recording possibly halfway through uh, the second legs of the quarterfinals so don't go away Okay, the result, uh, the results, the predictions then um, for this weekend. Which tab have I got them on? Here they are. Right, this weekend uh, the f- the legs are Tigre versus Racing, Atlético Tucumán versus River, Argentinos versus Gimnasia, and Vélez versus Boca. And obviously, then the reverse fixtures are being played in the middle of next week. I just wanted to let you know that so that you know who's playing at home first and who is playing at home second. And now let's try those predictions. Tigre versus Racing. That's a really tricky one to get started with, but I'm going to go for Racing to edge it. I think that's going to be a really good, um, interesting couple of games, uh, and I think Racing will just get through. River, um, I think, are going to be able to get through against Atletico Tucumán, which, have you got the tree up on your phone there, Andres, the, the bracket? Because I think that that would make it a Racing versus River semi-final, right? Yes, yes, yeah? you're right, yes. Uh, and then in the other half of the draw, Argentinos versus Gimnasia is really interesting. I think that Gimnasia will get through that one, and that between Vélez and Boca, I'm going to go for Boca, which would be Gimnasia versus Boca in the semi-final. That sounds familiar. Did they play each other in the Copa Argentina last year? Yes, yeah. Gimnasia eliminated Boca, and then they... It was semi-final... 
Because the final was Rosario Central. Ah, you're quite Indonesia. right. Yes, of course. Ooh, so that that'd be interesting. Bit of narrative yes. there. And could be, of course, a River Boca final. Mm. Of course, too soon to, to talk about about that. But uh, there were there were some journalists asking Marcelo Gallardo when whether it could be a Boca, River Boca uh, um, draw for the round of 16 of or no round of 32 of Copa Libertadores. Yeah. If Boca uh, advances as a first team. Oh God group. forbid. I mean, I don't mind Boca winning their group at all, but I prefer River and Boca. I, ideally, after what happened on, in December, obviously we get plenty of listeners as a result of it. I always get a few more Twitter followers than I had before as a result of them playing each other. But genuinely, after that, I just I, I want them to never play each other ever again. Yes. Uh, the matches were fantastic, uh, but everything around them was deeply tedious and or they play depressing. Like this, to play in the round of 32... Uh, and not in a final or something final yeah or just one of them at least get knocked out by somebody else as Mauricio Macri hoped for last year we can keep our fingers crossed I suppose anyway uh, there you go so my predicted semi-finals just to um, uh, remind you then are Racing versus River and Gimnasia versus Boca funnily enough not particularly originally I have gone for the I've just realised I've gone for the four teams who are at home in the second legs to get through Um, we might know whether I'm correct or not in all of those predictions uh, by the time we next record or we might only know whether I'm correct in one of those halves by the time we next record because we don't know exactly which day or at what time we're going to be recording next week but as I said I suspect that it's going to need to be before um, Gimnasia, Argentinos and Boca Venice have been played Uh, but for now thank you very much for listening to another episode of Hand of Pod. If you're a Patreon supporter, of course, then you can already go and enjoy uh, an episode of Hand of Pod Extra that Andres and I are about to record. That's a really confusing way around of doing it. It's like I've got a time machine or something. Don't know what it's going to be on yet, but I will by the time I upload this. It's very confusing. And if you keep listening, I'll give you the full-time results from the Copa Libertadores games that are going on at the moment between Rosario Central and Libertad and uh, Huracan and Deportivo Lara. Um, neither of which I think actually mean anything but I'll give you the results anyway because I always do for now thanks for listening and goodbye from Andres thank you goodbye and from me goodbye three scores to tell you about from earlier on Huracan beat Deportivo Lara 3-0 to get I think their first win of the Copa Libertadores group stage Rosario Central beat Libertad 2-1. Doesn't do an awful lot for either of them. Both the Argentine sides finished bottom of their groups anyway. Um, and then a little bit later on, a match that Andres and I forgot was happening earlier, which is why we didn't mention it. Palmeiras versus San Lorenzo. Uh, Palmeiras pulled off the shock of beating Jorge Almiron San Lorenzo. Shock horror. Uh, which means that San Lorenzo finished second, uh, as indeed they were always going to in um, Group F and therefore will go into uh, the last 16 of the Libertadores.